0: Hello and welcome to The Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're gonna talk about when to say yes or no. No. (laughs) All right, so I've got some really clear ideas on this one, but it was your idea, Rochelle. Do you wanna kick us off?
1: I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I feel like throughout the course of my career there are times when I've said yes and I really regretted it afterwards. And there were times that I said yes, that maybe a more sane person would have said no. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. So, yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about sort of the mile markers. And when you want to say yes, or my husband's from Texas, he says there's there's no and there's hell no. Um, when do you say hell no?
0: Yep. There's a pretty well-known guy online named Derek Sievers, and he has a really popular blog post I see come up all the time around this about if it's not hell yes, it's no. Because he's a very successful person. He gets lots of requests to do this or that. And he's super, super, he's probably the poster child for being ruthless about keeping his time. That's a a blog post I see all the time. We'll link to in the show notes. And there's a book that I hear a lot of folks talk about in this space that is pretty good. I I think it's a good book. It wasn't my favorite writing style, but uh, it's called Start With No by Jim Camp, I believe is the author's name. And I think it's worth reading. Um, I'll just give the one caveat. It's like uh, tons of military and sports metaphors. So it's just that was if, if you oh, hear, hesi- yeah, if you my hear my favorite, right? If you hear hesitation in my voice, it's because I'm not into that stuff. But the point of the book is, I think, really good. When you were thinking of this, when you suggested this, there's all sorts of different sort of milieus, speaking of military metaphors, <laughs> where the yes or no has sort of higher or lower stakes. and And when I think of it, you know, there's things like the client that comes along that's thrown up red flags left and right, but your mortgage payments come and due. And, you know, you should say no, but you sort of talk yourself into like, oh, no, it'll be different this time. It'll be fine. And you say, yes, that's a big deal. That's actually not the kind of situation that is that's scary for sure. But that's not really what I was thinking about talking about in this episode. Like the thing about saying yes or no that is the insidious part. Cause I think people notice when they do the red flag thing and they're just like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. But the thing that's a little more insidious is when you start to get some traction with uh, maybe an idea or a community, or um, you're starting to scale your audience and you start to get all these incoming communications and in absence of a strategy for your business, there's no way to distinguish an opportunity from a distraction. So, you know, I think the Steve Jobs quote is: "Good design is saying no to a thousand things, and strategy is focus." And if you find yourself like time poor and you're doing, you know, you're getting a lot of communications, people are like, "Hey, do you want to be on this podcast?" Or, "Hey, do you want to speak at this event?" Or, "Hey, do you want to..." be an affiliate for my book or can we be an affiliate for your products or do you want to do a JV webinar with, with our business? And there's, you know, could you write for our blog? There's a million of them. If you're not getting any of that stuff, then you've got sort of a, you're, you're sort of at an earlier stage, I think. But once you get that early traction, like the fish will grow to the size of the bowl. If you say yes to everything, you'll be burned out really fast you're kind of going in every direction at once. So you're not making any progress. And the, the problem is that you either don't have a clear objective. You probably do at this, at this stage of the game, you probably have a clear objective, but you might not have a clear strategy about how you're going to achieve that objective. And to me, the whole point of having a strategy is it helps you distinguish what's a good opportunity from something that's probably just a distraction.
1: Well, and I think sometimes you need somebody to bounce that off of, even though you know your strategy says X, I have this with clients more than you might imagine, but the strategy says X and then Y comes along, but there's something kind of sexy about Y, maybe it's the platform or it's the person leading it. There's something about that. And it's easy to get our ego wrapped up into that other thing that's not on strategy. That's the challenge too, I think.
0: Absolutely. It's a discipline thing. It's if assuming you have a strategy, the the situation you just described, it's like what's the cost benefit analysis there? So like let's say me, I've got my week planned out and uh Seth Godin's like, "Oh, I want to interview you for my podcast."
1: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How high
0: must I jump? So the thing is, like, that's not actually not the greatest example because me going on podcasts is part of my strategy. But let's say it wasn't. Here's a better example. Oh, I want you to come down and and, uh, sit in on a workshop that I'm I'm putting together. That is totally not part of my strategy. Going down to New York or wherever he lives and being like and sitting in like a a private workshop while he like meets with ten people to try and create a new. Product or course or something that he's experimenting with, and and it's like I have to say to myself, well, it's not on strategy, really. You know, that's not part of my thing. But like you said, it's kind of like how high do I jump? <laughs> 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 Can't tell if I'm just uh, wimping out here, but I think I, I think a, you'd
1: do it, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, I, no, I w- there's no doubt I would do it.
1: I think you would because it's about resonating. There are times I think that we make decisions that are. Sort of on strategy and sort of off. They're on in the sense that it's someone who you want in your network, in your audience, in your tribe. There's a resonance there, but the specific opportunity may not jive perfectly with your strategy. But you might decide to say yes anyway.
0: Right. I was kind of hedging because, okay, let let's say I do it anyway, and I know it's off strategy. It would be worse if I didn't even know or if I didn't even have a strategy. So I would sort of say to myself, look there's some good reasons to do this. It's off strategy or whatever. It's just an opportunity that fell in my lap. It's probably also a distraction, but the cost benefit ratio, cost benefit analysis is like, well, it's going to take two days out of my schedule, including travel. It's just uh, it's sort of a, one of those who knows what could happen type of thing. This is now all of a sudden I'm like mired down.
1: Well, but you know what you're doing though is you're doing a conscious yes. That's that's what you just described. Yes.
0: Okay. There you go. That's what it's a conscious
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that because you have a strategy. But if you didn't have a strategy and you went anyway, and you're bombarded with ideas in that workshop, and so you take one and you run with it. But guess what? It's really not the right next move for you. But you do it because you're. It's like the greyhound chasing the rabbit on the course. You know, you're chasing what's in front of you.
0: Well, even worse, you're chasing two rabbits. So that's the scary part is when you're chasing two rabbits. So and the other thing is like, imagine that it's not just Seth Godin, like let's say it's Seth Godin and then it's somebody else and it's somebody else and it's somebody else for, let's say, less famous people or people who I don't respect as much. Actually, fame doesn't have that much to do with it. It's more about people I respect, people I want to be exposed to. I mean, I suppose I could talk myself into saying, well, it is kind of on strategy, actually. But sort of leveling up the people that you are in contact with or surrounding yourself with, that's a good thing to do always. I could make a case for it being sort of on strategy. But still, things are going to come in that are definitely not. Like, it's not uncommon for somebody to say, hey, do you want to contribute a chapter to this book? Or uh, do you want to come down to Florida and speak at this event that I've never heard of? Well, I don't know. No, I don't think so. And the problem with those things is, especially when like travel's involved, really anything, anything that's sort of more complicated than a single phone call, really, is that there are all these ancillary things around the activity that you don't think of when you're saying yes. Oh, like, that you
1: figure out when you're trying to actually meet your commitment.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, the plane was. Can't, I got to redo the tickets. Like, oh or no! This, oh, there's weather, and now I'm gonna steal an oh, extra day. And then, or like the book chapter or guest blog post. Like, oh yeah, it's you wrote 1,500 words. We only have room for 600. Can you go back and edit it and cut it down? <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, uh, or they edit it and yeah. cut it down and they publish it and they're like, okay, here's the final for review. Or they don't even let you review it and they basically. You don't want your name on it anymore. And like, there's so many surprises that happen with each one of these things. Like one, yes, can spiral into like a whole bunch of work and distractions.
1: Well, and if there's any guilt in there, I don't know if this ever happens to you. It does sometimes to me where someone's done something nice for me. And I, I think, oh, you know, I kind of feel guilty. I feel like I should help them somehow. And so I get roped into something that I really, I, I know I shouldn't be doing. Right. It's off strategy. And what becomes a small favor, or, gee, will you look at this or will you do that? It's fine. But then it blows up into something more like, oh, can you come and speak to my group? Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's a two hour flight away. Can you do that for free? Um, it's not <laughs> your ideal audience. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, it just keeps adding up and you just want to kick yourself in the head.
0: Mm hmm. So here's a, a tip that's worked for me when I'm sort of wrestling with like, ah, oh, I can't tell if this is a good opportunity or not, or, or maybe you're in a situation where someone's asking you for something and you do feel a little obligation or feel like reciprocity is kind of kicking in. Bouncing the idea off a group of like, you know, a particular group, like a group that you trust for things like this, you know, a master, a business mastermind, or something like that, really helps getting perspective on these sorts of things because you you get this combination of motivations that are whether it's reciprocity or whether it's you've got stars in your eyes or whatever or, or it's like great money or it seems like a huge opportunity like whatever you know like a huge business opportunity and you bounce it off a group of people who have no skin in the game whatsoever and they don't have the same stars in their eyes and they're not going to get the money and they're not going to get the exposure and they can ask you a couple of questions immediately, and you know, like, you're immediately <laughs> like, oh, what was I thinking? Like, wow, yes, you're yep. right.
1: Yep. You do that for me. Um, when I get people who are saying, gee, I'd like to come on the podcast. There's a certain kind of guest that we would like. And not everybody fits that profile. It doesn't make their stuff bad. But I, it's so hard for me to say no to somebody when I know how hard they've worked to get to this point, And they've done the ask. But it's, you go back to strategy. Does this guest fit our, our strategy? Does it fit our profile? Yes, yes or no?
0: Right. Does it reach the goals in, in a way that fits with our strategy, right? Obviously, it doesn't mean being rude or anything like that, but it does mean being, in fact, there's, a, there's kind of an art to politely saying no. I have a swipe file of people who have said no to me over the years in a wonderful wonderfully humane sort of way. (laughs) And uh, we could put maybe, I I don't know them from memory. That's why I have them in a swipe file because I'm actually much meaner than that by nature. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that I have to go, i like, oh, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. I'll just go into the swipe file and pick one that's appropriate, perhaps modify it to suit. (laughs) But, uh, you know, just being (sighs) transparent here. (laughs) You've only got so much time in the day. Like every, I just saw this quote the other day from, Warren Buffett. And to paraphrase, he says, I can afford basically anything I want. But the only thing I can't buy is time. It's like a little short two-minute video with him and Bill Gates. And he pulls out like a teeny little old-school pocket paper calendar. And he flips it open. And the interviewer and Bill Gates look at it. And he had like two appointments. Like that particular week, he had two appointments in his calendar. Empty, except for two appointments. (laughs) And talk about systems leverage and you think Warren Buffett doesn't get requests all the time to come on podcasts and interviews and radio and TV like CNN. And of course he does, but somehow he's got boundaries around what makes sense to do and what doesn't make sense to do. And I'm going to imagine that somebody like that at that level and that age and that amount of money has really clear, a really clear impact that he would want to make at this stage of the game. I'm sure he's got very clear, very clear ideas about legacy and what impact he's trying to make, what changes he can make and how he can improve the world uh, as much as possible from here on out. And I guarantee that, that, I mean, even if it's not true in his case, like I know that that is true. Like if you have that, it makes it easier to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Like sometimes you just, I mean, you, you obviously have to, at a certain point, you have to get good at passing on stuff. You just have to, like if you're going to, if you become successful, it is going to happen that your inbox is going to become a war zone of requests to be on this or that.
1: I think of a client I have who he writes all of his own original articles and then he has them edited. And for one particular publication, he never looks at the final edit. Never. Never. And I've sometimes said, well, you know, do you want to take a look at this? It's like, nope, I don't need to see that. I know if my team has passed on it, they know who I am, they know what I say. No, I don't need to see it. That's a discipline, especially if it's attached in an email. So all you have to do is click and open it. Nope, I don't, I don't want to see that. And I, I also think if you're not good at that naturally, that you can pay to get that. It's one of the things I love about having a VA is that sometimes I'll be thinking, oh, maybe I should do this. And I'll talk to her and she'll go, are you crazy? No, you're not doing that. Here, I'm going to write the note for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, or I could just send it to her and she'll, she'll send a, a thank you, but no thank you. So if you're not sure or if you have trouble with that, you don't trust yourself, you can outsource it until you get good at it or forever having that extra help to say no is, is, can be life-saving.
0: Speaking of VAs. So I've been doing this, the Jonathan Stark show on YouTube, which is like a bunch of really short videos where I answer one question that people send in a question. I answer the question. That's the whole video. I record the the raw video. I upload it to like a, a, a spreadsheet and I'm like, Haley, it's up there and she just takes it from there. I like, don't see it again. And at one point she was like, do you want to, you know, she writes all of the sort of show notes in the description, all of the, all the links and all that stuff. And she picks the titles and she picks the description and she was like, do you want, do you want to see these before I post them and like approve them? I was like, nope, you can do it. And then, you know, of course, eventually, like I don't do it. It's not procedural. Like I don't look at everyone and and review it and, you know, make changes. Like if I review it, of course, I'm going to make changes like. You know, it's like, but why? It's kind of like asking a client for their opinion about something that you don't really, you don't really want their opinion about. They're going <laughs> to give it to you and then you're going to have to do something. So like, you know, I'm like, nope. And then every once in a while I'll look at the whole feed and kind of scan it and be, it, it's never happened. But if I was going to find something, yeah, I don't love that. Or there's something that I see a pattern where I'm like, "Mm, this might be a tweak, then I'll just say to her in general, again, this hasn't happened, but I would just say in general, like, I can't even think of something, but maybe there'd be something I wouldn't like. And it's like, yeah, you know, let's, let's make it a little more professional or not as many emojis in the titles, please, or something like that, you know? Right,
1: right. A stylistic sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Just an overall general thing and, and not like an individual, you know, it's just keeping it high level instead of getting bogged down in, The details of every little thing. It would kind of defeat the purpose of having someone. It would start to defeat the purpose of having someone do it in the first place.
1: Well, plus that makes you a good client for her, potentially. I don't know her and how she operates, but most of us, you don't want a client nitpicking everything that you're doing when you're a professional. She probably knows more about this than you do in terms of the viability of titles and show notes. I don't even want to say show notes, YouTube notes, it's, it's a little bit different art than podcasting. So, yeah. And then why would you hire her if you didn't want to rely on her?
0: Right. It's funny, yeah. too, because if I did pick the titles, in, it, so like when I just this little anecdote, when i look back at them i'm like wow this looks so youtubey like there's something she just gets <laughs> and she's y- younger than i am and she just gets the platform better than i do
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and she researches keywords that are popular in the area that i focus on and she just comes up with them and i'm like man this, it, like i'm like wow this seems so youtubey they're not clickbait it's not that bad but they're tempting like the, the the way that she puts it they're they're tempting like like i want to watch i like ooh, what did i say in this one yeah. and <laughs> and the and the the third point is that i would have never ever in a million years done it the way that she did it and that and which makes me glad that she's doing it and not me. So n- not only would I be micromanaging it, but I'd be making it worse. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just a t- it would be a terrible thing for me to say to have said yes to. Do you want me to, re- you know, do you want to review the videos before I put them up? That is a, a definite no. I definitely want her to run with it. And I don't want to think about yet another thing to do.
1: Well, and you know, when I think about when to say yes, it for me, it's always easier to say yes to somebody who's got a track record. Somebody who can talk to me about the reasons why YouTube is different than posting something in Facebook Live. Like, why is it different? And how do I appeal to the audience? I mean, you want to pick their brains. If you're hiring somebody who doesn't really know very much, and you're hiring them because, oh, they have a really cheap hourly rate, then you can't rely on them. You can't get that confidence. Part of what we all do is for our clients is we're experts at something, something specific, and we know what we're talking about. So we should hire those same kinds of people to help us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, pay for quality and you only cry once. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's good
1: yeah yeah
0: so what are some other things that you find yourself saying yes and no to yes or no to so we've sort of talked about client engagements. we've talked about opportunities to sort of guest in front of other people's audiences or to speak at conferences talked about tactical things like in your day-to-day process that you outsource and don't want to don't want to have on your plate
1: well, I think there's the big stuff. And I'm going to use our podcast as an example. I love the fact that in our first, right after our first conversation, you sent me an email saying, you know what? I have this podcast idea and it'd be great to have a co host. What do you say? And I'm sitting there going, I just met you. I just spent an hour with you. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the, thought process in my head was, I, I one, I think it was resonance, because we knew from that conversation that we had a lot of the same kinds of values. And we might see some things differently, but we got the other person's perspective. It made sense to us. And so I knew that I needed to do a podcast at some point, but I had no desire to do one by myself. And I kept kind of stumbling over that, going, eh. I just, I'm not ready to commit to the work involved. And doing it with you, it probably doesn't have the work for you, but it certainly has the work for me because you do the part that I didn't want to do. It was one of those uh, hell yeses, but it was a big decision. I mean, think about if, if this hadn't gone so well, so we're 70 something episodes in and it's awesome. It could have not been. We could have done five episodes and went, are you kidding me? Get me out of this. And maybe we'd like limp along till 15 or 20. And then we both look stupid. Right. Right. right? Uh, so, I didn't
0: even think of that to tell you the truth. But you're right. That would be like pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Like, well, lots of dead air and fighting with each other and like bickering. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or maybe actually. it was
1: like the bickering off air and then we kind of faked it to be on air. I mean, people would feel that, I think, you know, I, I'm not a good enough faker for stuff like that. I'm not an actress, but it could have been bad. Each of us, we have a co-host on another show, but each of us are, are usually used to working solo. So it's, it's a really different commitment to show up with somebody else and to co-create something. So I just, I love that example for saying yes, when it's just the resonance, you just know. And we had a little back and forth about what the format would be and how we would do it, but that was collaborative. It wasn't like, oh, I can't make up my mind until you answer this question. That would be an example of a big yes. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, that's, that's an hour a week plus a little bit more, you know, it's like hour, hour and a half a week. That's a lot you know, Mm -hmm. that's a big commitment. So even if, even if, you know, aside from it potentially blowing up and us looking silly, (laughs) it's still a big time commitment. I mean, there's no way around that part. Like we, once it's done recording, we shuffle some files around and then give them to somebody else to edit. And there's not a lot of extra work beyond that, but still like it's, it's 90 minutes a week for me, for sure. Before you make a decision like that, it's easy to get excited and say like, Oh, I'm going to, start a podcast or I'm going to write a book or, you know, all these things that we've been talking about, you know, I'm going to go to Seth Godin's office and like hang out for two days, like whatever those things are, they add up. And again, it's like, you can't buy time. There's like only so much of it. And if you, it's like the one thing that's guaranteed is like, you don't have enough time, like for sure, period. And the more successful you get, the more demands that are going to be put on it. So you, you need to get good at Knowing the difference between an opportunity and a distraction, perhaps knowing when to make an exception, and how to politely but firmly make it clear to the other party uh, that it's not going to happen. That kind of summarizes it for me.
1: I think what I would add to that is there's just this resonance factor. It's a special sauce, if you will, between two people. And only you can decide if, if you're resonating with somebody else. I can think of of a couple of people that have shown up in my in my inbox and then when I click on their stuff, I go, oh no. Oh no. I just I I I don't care what they say. I I am not feeling it. And I don't mean that, oh, they have like a, a weird image on their website or something. It's it's the totality of how their their brand and their personality comes through in their material online. And so I you had a couple of those and it doesn't matter what they would propose to me it's like nope can't can't resonate can't get there. And so it doesn't matter. They could offer me this huge wonderful thing and I would still say no because it didn't feel right. You know it, right? Because it's either there or it isn't for you, for each each of us individually.
0: Yeah, you're not going to click with everyone. It's just not possible.
1: No, but there's some you just go, that's that's it. I mean, you just like and when I say look at them, I don't mean that they're sitting across from you, but you, they send you an email, you look at, their, it's not even about the pitch. It's you, you click on their stuff and you go, no, right, no,
0: Never. Right. no. yeah. It's Next. just, a, <laughs> yeah, it's just not a good fit. Yeah. So yeah. It, I've certainly gone through phases where I was pre-traction, let's call it, where everything seemed like an opportunity and my radar was not very sensitive to the kind of energy mismatch that you're describing where this person's just like a different style individual that i would probably given another option i would probably choose not to wouldn't be my first choice to partner with on something But at the same time, it was like, well, between this person who I don't 100% click with and doing nothing, (laughs) (laughs) the way that I tuned my radar, I suppose, is that over years I have done stuff with people where it wasn't the greatest fit. And anybody that's been working, doing client work for any period of time has probably experienced like, oh, whoops, I I was not the right fit for this client. Yeah. And I kind of looking back on it in retrospect, I see the red flags. I didn't see them at the time. But uh, in retrospect, I did. And then how do I put myself in a position where when I recognize similar things in the future, I'm in a position to say no without feeling like my income is threatened? Like for folks probably listening to this show, you know, people in a service business, that's the the one that you probably I'm going to guess is the one that most people are familiar with is when you get a client that comes along and there's something is just off. You're like did they read that email I sent? It seems like they didn't read that email I sent. (laughs) Like, you know, like that's a huge red flag or like, you know, they they mentioned that they sued the previous provider. That's a big red flag. Yeah. That's a classic yes or no situation. But I like that. I like these other levels where you're potentially getting traction and being asked to, you know, it's flattering. People want you to like participate in their thing or show up in front of their audience. It could be very flattering. But at a certain point, you know, you've got so many hours in a week and at a certain point you just need to be, if you're, if what you're doing works, you will absolutely be saying no to way more of these things than you say yes to. So you might as well, um, start to tune that radar and and come up with ways to, to recognize a no and be able to say it politely. And I think it'll make it better. It'll make your yeses better because then you can throw yourself into those things more fully. And there's this, not to get too woo woo about it, but there's like a greater than the sum of the parts thing that happens when you do take on the right things because it kind of like there's something that amplifies it about it's like one plus one equals three it's like it amplifies the the output of the thing but then it also has this follow-on effect like this flywheel effect that i talk about sometimes where where not only was the thing better than the sum of the parts but then it continues to contribute to your momentum over time so maximizing the number of of really, really good yeses, it has like an outsized effect and knowing what you're going to have to say no to a lot of stuff in order to get to those really strong, uh, productive yeses.
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to the theme we talked about a couple of episodes ago and for a couple of episodes about leverage. It's leverage is really powerful. And and I, I, I think I use as the example, Todd Trusseter's, podcast interview checklist, or procedure, I guess it was a procedure, and he basically defined who he says yes to on podcasts, and he framed the whole scenario so that he could hand that off to somebody else to say yes and no, and and know with confidence that the yeses were the right yeses and the noes were the right noes.
0: Right, yeah, so think about that. Now, there's someone who's thought it through so much they can actually... Articulate a process to outsource the yesing and knowing to someone else like like that's impressive You know, that's that's great
1: And it's and and there's so much that's in our heads that isn't in somebody else's and that's both good and bad Right, so it's good in the sense that we know what we want to do But when when we try to ask someone else to do it for us They're not going to do it the same way we do which can be good or bad in the case of your VA and YouTube It's good In the case of somebody else, the wrong choice, right? It it could be bad.
0: Yeah. All right. So what have we learned?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's yes, there's no, and there's hell no. (laughs) And hell yes.
0: Hell yes. Right. Exactly. Cool. All right. So we could probably leave it there for this week.
1: Yeah, I I think we could.
0: Cool. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you say yes to joining us next time for the (laughs) Business of Authority. (laughs) Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.